Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. WarioWare, or as it's called in Japan, Made in Wario, is a Nintendo series that's quite different from the rest. You go through stages that consist of maybe a dozen micro-games hosted by Wario and a cast of eclectic characters, with even more characters being introduced in the following games. You have a handful of seconds and minimal instructions keeping the gameplay varied and lightning fast. The series is generally carried by its absurdity and has no really defined genre. The closest thing you can say is that it's a party game, kind of like Mario Party or the original Raving Rabbids, but there's a lot more emphasis on the single-player experience. While the first game left its own impression, it wasn't really until the sequels that the series started showing more of its uniqueness. It started taking the console or handheld that it was on as kind of an inspiration for the directions its microgames would go. WarioWare Twisted for the Game Boy Advance and WarioWare Touched for the DS both came out in 2004, a year after the previous games, and the gameplay involved, respectively, tilting your Game Boy or using the DS's touchscreen. In 2006, WarioWare Smooth Moves came out for Nintendo Wii and used the motion controls to have the player hold the Wii Remote in different ways to better complete all the micro-games. Sometimes you would have to hold the remote vertically, sometimes you have to hold it at your hip, sometimes you have to just leave it on a flat surface. It got pretty different. In 2008, there was a DSiWare game called WarioWare Snapped, which made use of the DSi camera. No one remembers that one. One year later, WarioWare DIY was released for the Nintendo DS, and it allowed players to create their own micro-games. It had a companion game for the WiiWare a year later called WarioWare DIY Showcase, and that featured a selection of micro-games that people made in the other one. 2013, for the series' return to consoles, Game & Wario for the Nintendo Wii U. This wasn't a traditional WarioWare game, but it featured just about all the characters, and they all hosted singular but more fleshed-out games, and it kept the tradition of playing to the console's quirks. It's considered to be one of the games that takes the most advantage of the Wii U's nature of being a TV game and a handheld game. And for the longest time, that was it for the entire series' history. Finally, in 2018, the Nintendo 3DS gets WarioWare Gold. The game has returned to the traditional gameplay of WarioWare, and it features approximately 300 micro-games, which is the most any installment has had this far. It does this by including a lot of micro-games from past entries, even adopting Touched and Twisted's unique gameplay thanks to the 3DS's touchscreen and gyroscope, respectively. But there's still a lot to this one. For example, it actually has a fleshed-out, overarching storyline. Not to overdress it, it's still WarioWare at heart, but the story extends past, hey, this is why you're doing the gimmick of this game. After every few levels, you check in on the main plot of this installment, and it's the first WarioWare game to actually have something at stake in the final level. Or at least, ostensibly. Another thing is that this WarioWare game features full voice acting. Not only do we get to hear Charles Martinet speak full sentences as Wario, 
but the other characters all get to talk too. In the other games, they all just had random guys hopping into the voice booth to do voice clips for everyone. Now they've hired legit voice actors. I recognized Robbie Damon providing the voice for Young Cricket, and Erica Lindbeck as the voice for Ashley. There are even more recognizable names in this cast beyond just those two. It's kind of wild hearing them in these games, talking about Wario and all that kind of thing. The biggest addition to the game, though, I'd say, is the gold, which is where the name comes from. You earn coins by playing the stages and the side modes, and use the coins to unlock all kinds of things. You can get things that are a little useless, like in-character phone numbers, or maybe things that are more informational, like replicas of Nintendo consoles, so you can learn the history behind them, kind of like the trophies in Smash Brothers. Another thing that you can unlock is the ability to redub the cutscenes with the 3DS's mic and give everyone your voice. WarioWare is probably the weirdest series Nintendo has created, not just with its content, but behind the scenes as well. The reason why Game & Wario is so different from the rest is because it wasn't originally going to be part of the series. In an Iwata Asks segment, which is when the former president Satoru Iwata would have interviews with different developers in Nintendo, they discussed the fact that all of the games in Game & Wario were sorted out, they had good ideas, but they couldn't find a way to connect them all together into an overarching package. So they decided to attach the WarioWare characters to the game. Suddenly, the lack of coherency wasn't a problem at all. If we want to go even further back, the first WarioWare game was created when they tried to make a full game out of Mario Paint's Sound Bomber, which had a similar concept of rapid minigame completion. They had trouble thinking of characters until they decided on Wario. Yoshio Sakamoto is described as having said, Wario is always doing stupid things and is really idiotic, so we thought him and the rest of the characters would be best for the game. This kind of helps explain why Wario is a little different in this game, because his face was just slapped onto the front of a new property after the gameplay was already formed. That's not too uncommon with Nintendo, actually. Star Fox Adventures was going to be an original game called Dinosaur Planet until they made it a Star Fox game. Then the reverse happened with Splatoon, where it was going to be a Mario spin-off before they made it its own original thing. The idea to put Wario in these games because he's such a weirdo stems from his overall portrayal in Japan. In Japan, Wario's weirdness and toilet humor get more of a spotlight, while in the West they emphasize his greed more than anything. These elements usually come together in the game, so it's not a huge deal. The only time it really gets under anyone's skin, to my knowledge, is when it comes to the Super Smash Bros. games. In there, they definitely play up Wario's grossness more than anything else. On top of that, there's a lot more representation for the WarioWare games. His moves, his stages, his assist trophies, they're all WarioWare. There are a few small Wario Land references, but only a few. I don't mind that personally, since I've hardly ever touched the Wario Land series. I've played a lot more WarioWare, and I think WarioWare rightfully deserves to be more popular, but it is a little upsetting that Wario's portrayal is as lopsided as it is, and I think people who enjoy Wario Land should be able to have something that references their beloved games too. One of my favorite things about WarioWare 
and probably a lot of people's favorites, is the cast of characters surrounding Wario. He starts the series with a few... friends. And they're all said to be working for him, making the microgames that you end up playing. Then touched, twisted, and smooth moves added even more characters. And in kind of a unique twist, Gold finally promotes one of the recurring characters to be one of the employees alongside everybody else. These guys have shown up consistently throughout the series, almost never missing an appearance since their debut. It's good to see this kind of consistency in the series. And consistency is not something I really thought I would praise about WarioWare. They're all over the place. You have Jimmy T, this disco dancer who's got a family who acts just like him, and a mysterious doppelganger named Jimmy P. He's rumored to be childhood friends with Wario, which I find hard to swallow. Mona is this high schooler who has a new part-time job in each game, and for some reason she thinks Wario is really cool. Dribble and Spitz are cab drivers. They're respectively a talking dog and a talking cat. A lot of their passengers end up stiffing the fare and going into outer space. Cat and Anna are little bitty ninja girls who can do the awesome acts of ninjutsu, but are prone to the pitfalls of being five years old. Ninevolt is this little boy who's obsessed with Nintendo's first party games, so his microgames are often references to those and are fan favorite levels for that reason. He later got a sidekick named 18volt and his mom 5volt. Those two got bigger roles as the series progressed, with 5-Volt even being the dominant threat in the gamer stage in Super Smash Bros., based on the mode from Game & Wario. Dr. Krygor is this weird mad scientist who suffers a lot of misfortunes in his life for no real reason. If something bad doesn't happen to Wario, it happens to Dr. Krygor instead. He later built a robot named Mike, who heralded the power of blowing mini-games using the DS's microphone and later the 3DS's microphone in WarioWare, Touched, and Gold, respectively. Krygor also has a granddaughter named Penny Krygor, who is introduced in Smooth Moves before quickly becoming a staple. I have a bit of a funny history with Penny Krygor in that I kind of despised her at first, but then her portrayal in gold really won me over. It helps a lot that she's voiced by Frida Wolf, the actress behind my favorite Octopath character, Tressa. really gives Penny a lot more personality than she used to have. Orbulon is a failed intergalactic conqueror. The one time he didn't have any microgames was Touched, where instead he played a role in Ashley's storyline. Orbulon's games, when he has them, tend to be slightly different from everyone else's. A little more puzzle-based. Ashley is a young witch introduced in Touched, with an imp named Red serving as her sidekick. She is possibly the most popular character in the series after Wario himself. I'm even a fan. She got a lot of attention in games outside of WarioWare that not even Jimmy or Mona could claim such as some um, Nintendo 3DS themes, or showing up as one of the bonus costumes in Mario Maker, even being an assist trophy in Smash Brothers, though Cat and Anna also have that. It's actually unfortunate that Ashley was recently confirmed as an assist trophy yet again in Smash Brothers Ultimate. I really thought she had a chance of being playable, but it is what it is. Young Cricket and Master Mantis are a duo introduced in Smooth Moves, 
and they're martial artists who take everything in life as seriously as if it were a kung fu movie. Ashley and Young Cricket and Mantis are probably the only latecomers to the series to have no connection to the original cast. Oh, I should also mention there's this little guy named Frank. I'm not really sure what he is, but he cameos in some of the microgames, and he's generally associated with the Volt characters. He gets microgames too, but they're usually inserted in other microgame sections, and his are even shorter than usual, so he's kind of a curveball character. And Waluigi is nowhere to be found in any of these games. WarioWare is one of those series that I don't spend too much time thinking about, and I've missed more games than not, but they have a crowd, and whenever I do get my hands on one of the games, I end up having a good time with it. Very interested to know what they'll do with a Switch installment of the series. They used to release games within year of each other, but then the gap between DIY and the DIY showcase to Game & Wario was pretty long. Then Game & Wario to Gold was even longer. And if we don't want to include Game & Wario in that, then the gap between the DIY games and Gold was super long. But as Gold shows, I'm sure the hypothetical future WarioWare title will be worth the wait. If you've missed a few games in the series, or even all of them, then Gold would probably be the perfect place to start. It has all the characters, except Jimmy P, but, you know, who cares about him? And several returning microgames, even the gamer mode from Game & Wario. Which, incidentally, not only was it a stage in Smash Bros. Wii U, but it's coming back in Ultimate. So, that mode is making a comeback in two different series. As I was saying, there's no real continuity in the WarioWare games other than, This new character is part of the team now. Okay, bye. Really, WarioWare was never about the story. The music in the series is kind of odd for me. I don't think about it a lot, because most of what you get are the five-second microgame themes, or the five-second stage themes in between the microgames, but there are a few songs that stick out, and they all make return appearances in WarioWare Gold. Usually they're lyrical themes associated with characters or stages. Mike and Ashley both got lyrical songs alongside their debuts in Touched, oh so creatively titled Mike's Theme and Ashley's Theme. Mike gets a boastful tune about how he likes singing karaoke, while Ashley's theme describes her inclination towards magic, her potent wrath, and her secret loneliness. Both these songs also get remixes in Smash Bros. Brawl, and Mike's is pretty good. Tomorrow Hill is an upbeat song from Dribble and Spitz's stage in Smooth Moves. It had an alternate version called Falling Off Tomorrow Hill that switched in whenever you bungled a microgame before going back to the normal song. And I gotta give a shout out to the final story mode stage in Gold. It's actually a surprisingly dark song for WarioWare, and one of the few things I don't really want to spoil the context for. Somehow I had a lot more to say about this series than I thought I would, and you could probably beat, like, maybe an entire chunk of a WarioWare story mode in the time it would take you to listen to this episode. Yeah, they're fast. But now that I've run out of things to say, it's that part of the episode again where I mention how you can subscribe to the show on Podcast One's website or their app. These episodes are also available on iTunes. So yeah, you can follow the BitCast in a number of ways. I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.